Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hello and welcome to This is Critical. I'm Virginia Heffernan. This is Critical is the show where we question all of your cultural assumptions, like that the medical establishment is A, a monolith that anyone can find on a map, and B, even that bad. All right, here's my advice for health, and it's not very exciting. Get vaccinated, don't smoke, sleep, wear your seatbelt, eat and exercise normally. Don't get all freaked out about a Middle-earth monster called the medical establishment. Just don't ask medicine for something medicine can't do. 100% pain relief, peace of mind, or the complexion of a seven-year-old. When you need a checkup, a test, a splint, or surgery, medicine is your friend. Go to a PRN, my favorite, or a malpractice-free doctor with an MD from a non-profit medical school without a fraud or abuse history. Talk to them, and if their bedside manner sucks, move on. Above all, know you are 100% less likely to experience fraud, bad ideology, or abuse if you use medicine for what it's good for than if you commit to a time-intensive, larcenously expensive path of wellness that comes with gurus and false promises. So today my guest is someone who knows the wellness sleights of hand more than almost anyone. She's Rena Raphael, the author of The Gospel of Wellness, an extremely thorough and compelling adventure story in which Rena goes everywhere in the land of wellness, from Gwyneth Paltrow's magical moneybags mansion goop to trampoline cardio. Oh, she also did cardio in a power suit that emitted electric shocks to cause her muscles to contract involuntarily. And like in that Milgram experiment in fascism, she had an instructor who pressed a button every now and then that sent cardiac startling electrical currents through her body and paralyzed her while she was doing burpees. And this is wellness. Why not just try lemonade? Rena, welcome to This is Critical. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, it's great to have you. Wellness has been a little bit of a sub-obsession of this show, so I'm very (laughs) glad to be able to bring it to the surface. You know, one of the first moments that I realized that wellness culture, there might be something odd about it in the U.S., was when there was an expose of Jiva Mukti, the yoga studio in New York City, as just kind of distorting yoga and making it competitive. And it just, it seemed like 
there was this commodified form of wellness that was at odds with the promises of wellness. Right. And that's the distinction I try to make, which is that there's real wellness, the real pillars of what we need to feel and be healthier. And then there's this commodified wellness industrial complex that is selling us a zillion and one things that are sometimes at odds with actually feeling better. I mean, sometimes the cure is as bad as the disease. So yes, of course, no one is going to debate that fitness, nutrition, mental health is good for you. But when it's packed right now with so many productivity pressures or it's rooted in diet culture, for example, like you said, yoga, yoga is a great thing. No one's going to debate that. But when it becomes about getting a certain body size, when Mm -hmm. it becomes competitive, when it gets um, smeared with narcissism, that's when it becomes a problem. And that's where we are now with wellness, where you really have to separate the real stuff from all the bunk crowding the market. And it is a huge market worth over $4 trillion. And in my career, uh, I think a lot of us in media had really big aspirations for the wellness industry. I think earlier in my career, I took too many brands at face value. And then over time, I started seeing very troubling trends that weren't necessarily helping the consumer, but was actually making them feel like they had to buy all the stuff, do all these things, and act in a very perfect way that was at odds, as you say, with actual wellness. Yeah, it was very interesting to me because we've on this show critiqued wellness and in particular yoga world for its relatively recent right-leaning politics, anti-vax politics, some of the politics that surfaced during the pandemic. And with that, it's tempting to write off the whole lot of it. But one thing your book brought me back to is a curiosity about these wellness trends that I hadn't had for a long time because I had just shut it off entirely. You know, you were describing this thing, uh, what's it called again? Wanderlust, right? It's like, you call it the Coachella of wellness. And I thought, oh, well, I'm never going to do that. Uh, another bullshit thing. And then I was like, maybe I could get into this. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe this is what I need. So where do you stand on the question? Do you really think that you can take or leave some of it? Or do you sort of think once you buy a crystal, you're kind of <laughs> off a ledge? I take a very nuanced take, which is that Again, separating what is real wellness from sort of this industrial complex. But there's some good, there's some bad, and there's a whole lot in between. And so I do hear a lot of women now who, as you say, will come across something that's very unsavory to them. And they're like, I hate this entire industry. And I think you kind of have to take a step back and see that there has been a little bit of progress because of this industry. I think it's great that I can go to the airport now and there's quickie marts and I can get healthier food. I, I think it's great. There are more uh, streaming offerings for me to do fitness. I think mental health platforms do a great service. So it's not all bad. It's just the way sometimes it is positioned. And the fact that too many of these companies overpromise have cure-all claims or working with very little or any scientific evidence. But when you're talking about nutrition, fitness, spirituality, mental health, you kind of have to talk about every sector and then specifically that niche subsector. So it's really hard sometimes to talk about it as a complete write-off. Yeah. And I'd say one more thing, which is that like, it's really easy to make fun of things like crystals or some of the crazier Mm. trends. But what I tried to do in the book was really explain why people are veering towards that. What is missing in their life or why do they feel like their lives in America are so overwhelming or so bad 
that they need these sort of cures or they need these sort of crutches. And I think when you dive into that, you have a lot more empathy for these consumers. So tell me more about the consumers and including, I mean, your story jibes with the journey. Let's just call it a journey. (laughs) That's what Gwyneth would call it. Exactly. Of many of the sort of wellness seekers that you write about. Tell me what brings them to it and what brought you to it personally. Yeah, I think uh, I'm like a lot of women who felt overloaded. I felt overwhelmed. I saw the news, the politics, work-life balance was out of whack. I would work very, very long hours, even on weekends. And I felt like I could never get ahead. I was constantly worried about my future. And here came this industry that promised solutions. You're fatigued, drink the super elixir and you'll have energy. Are you afraid that you know, you're know you gonna be subject to ageism in your industry or fat phobia? We have a way to make you super thin and super beautiful. I mean, any issue you had, they give you a solution, including for example, if you're lonely. Well, just go to the gym and you have your community and your family right there. It's built mm-hmm. right in. I mean, mm-hmm. speak to the average woman and say, hey, how often do you get to see your friends? And they're like, oh my God, it's a thousand text messages back and forth. Or they're exhausted on weekends. They don't even have time to see their friends. There is something about a gym that when people say it's my church, it is kind of literal in the sense that they don't have to make plans with people. They're just right there, which is like what our grandparents used to do when they used to go to synagogue or church or the mosque. So these are real problems. And then these are the solutions. Now, what I argue is that In some cases, we are offering some real solutions, but sometimes there are issues within this industry that they're not fully solving these issues or they're creating their own meaning crisis. So one example I give is your gym. It promises you community and a family. What happens if you lose your job? Do you think you're really going to be able to go to SoulCycle and say, hey, I lost my job, but you're my family, right? I can Mm. keep coming. No Mm -hmm. way. What if you get injured? When your community is based on physical ability or your finances, you're out of luck if either falls by the wayside. So these are sort of the issues that we're starting to see now. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, the wellness industry isn't just filling the void that organized religion has left. Some brands have borrowed from religion, sometimes quite intentionally. That's next. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. We're back with Rena Raphael, author of The Gospel of Wellness. So, Rena, you write about the religiosity of the wellness industry. Your book title, of course, is The Gospel of Wellness. Do you think disillusionment with traditional religion kind of drives the wellness craze? Because it, it often seems religious in flavor, like it's, it's reinventing the religion wheel in the name of wellness. Yeah, so I do see that wellness is adopting symbols and rituals and even the language of religion. And I say that it's sort of 
adopting a religious framework in the sense that it's giving people a way to live. So it has its own commandments, its own morality, its own community. It offers you identity. I mean, these are all things that we used to get from organized religion. Now, I cover mostly the groups that are most adoptive of wellness, and that tends to be upper middle class women in cities. And this is a group that is more and more religiously unaffiliated. Uh, I think right now, four out of 10 American millennials are not religiously affiliated. But amazingly, they're not becoming atheists. Hmm. In fact, 90% say that they are spiritual, but not religious. But here's the thing, in our culture, especially in America, if you take religion away from people, that leaves a vacuum and something else is going to come in. And so for some people, it's politics, social justice, but it can also be health. Mm-hmm. It can, you know, people can find real meaning in saying, I am living my healthiest life and I'm going to give my kids the best organic food. And it gives them meaning. It gives them an identity. I mean, when you see a group of women in athleisure wear, you know, the, the little tank top or sports bra and leggings. I mean, that's really no different than a group of Harley Davidson bikers. I mean, mm. they, you can mm-hmm. automatically tell someone who belongs to your tribe. And so often, especially here in LA, I'll see a woman approach another woman and say, hey, I love your sneakers. And they'll start talking and yapping because they can identify that person as someone who's their own. So it's a way to get an identity. And I don't want to say this of all people who are into wellness, but there is a group of women who love showing that they're working on themselves. It's a way to show that like, look at me, I have the means, if not the time to work on my body and be so healthy. So it gives them a sense of pride. Again, these are all things that organized religion once gave us. So when you don't have that guidance, you don't have that meaning, you're going to go and find it someplace else. So their gym instructor to some degree kind of is their pastor. And by the way, it's intentional. You know, Peloton executive once gave a whole presentation at a tech conference actually, where he explained exactly what I just said, that people used to go to church or their synagogue for meaning, identity, community. That's fallen by the wayside for certain groups. But guess what? They can get it on a bike. And he even likened the Star of David necklace or a cross draped around your neck to a branded tank top. I mean, it is actually intentional with some of these companies. Wow. And also the creation of gurus. I mean, you mentioned SoulCycle, uh, Matthew Remsky on this show talked about how, you know, there are a lot of people who've been through yoga teacher training now and they need to set up their studios, often in kind of edge communities and distinguish themselves from other yoga instructors. And that happens with charisma. Right. I mean... There's only so much. I mean, you spent such a lovely chapter called Why is the Answer Always Yoga about, you know, a set of stretches that has got to be limited in some way. And the fact that the classes are so similar means that the differentiator is that people are meant to fall in love with, come under the thrall of the instructor. Yes, although that's looking at it quite cynically. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know that every instructor is trying to be a guru, but they've really perfected a certain type of language that gathers the masses. And that's by the fact that they promise people something mm. and people want that hope. They promise people that if you come to my gym or, you know, even someone like, um, well, you could say like a Gwyneth, but is offering solutions and promising people a future that's free of aging, stress, disease. And people want to believe that this industry is built on hope. And I will say this, and this is why I don't make fun of these consumers. A lot of women 
have had less than stellar relationships, their experiences with the medical establishment. They might be burnt out at work or their parents who are barely treading water and they're looking for something to make their lives a little bit better. Yeah, that does seem right. I mean, everyone's carrying a heavy burden and I agree with you that you don't want to be making fun of, you know, anyone seeking any kind of solution to what's ultimately if anguish. You describe many women who would seem to be life's winners with every blessing of existence saying that I want to be whole again. I'm broken. And, you know, they're not lying about this stuff. Um, They're not having an opportunity to express their rage. There are a lot of legitimate reasons for women and for people to be pissed off right now, even if they're personally doing okay. Definitely. Although one problem that I have is that, because you touched upon women's anger, is that too often I see a discourse within wellness, especially within this term of self-care, which is a term that's really been butchered, that is just about treating and soothing the symptoms. Hmm. And so it feels to me like the complaints that women have about the medical industry, well, they'll say, oh, the pharmaceutical industry is just treating the symptoms. They're not getting at the root causes. Well, if you have an issue with how America's being run or how women don't have enough childcare policies, taking another bubble bath or doing yoga is not going to solve it. So in some ways, I feel like there is a strain within the self-care discourse that is almost like sedating women. It's telling them to just, you know, meditate the problems away, just be quiet, just soothe yourself instead of actually looking for, let's say, communal solutions or getting loud or expressing yourself. Yeah, I mean, that it's another version of a mother's little helper kind of pill or that you might check out, you know, feel, quote, overwhelmed and then decide that, you know, what you'd need to do is is dull your senses and your sense of injustice. Or buy something. Or buy something, of course. Right. It's, it's highly individualistic and consumerist. If you have a problem, you have to go buy a product and then deal with it yourself instead of looking for communal solutions, bringing people together. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always, you know, buy the skincare mask, uh, do this workout. Yes, I call it decluttering my wallet. When certain (laughs) dollars don't spark joy, I keep my wallet very clean of those dollars. (laughs) You know, one thing I'll say about moving forward in this industry is that there is a little sense of like, been there, done that. I think the consumer is a little smarter now than they were five, six years ago. And they're not as much drinking the Kool-Aid. So there there has been a little bit more reflection. I mean, there used to be like every week a different ridiculous item like CBD infused leggings. And that's really, really slowed down in part because of the pandemic, which I think really got people to evaluate health and their medical and health knowledge. But also just people are tired of the perfection and productivity pressures and constantly being told what they have to do and how they have to think and what they need to buy. And especially Gen Z hates that stuff. They see that as very very much an embodiment of millennial culture. We're going to take another quick break. Coming up, wellness and pseudoscience. There's a reason why wellness can sometimes drive people to become anti-vaxxers. You know, they kind of dive into the antithesis of wellness in the name of wellness. That's next. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. 
Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. We're back with Rena Raphael, author of The Gospel of Wellness. So I want to talk about pseudoscience. Most of the wellness products out there are sort of pseudoscientific at best. And I don't mean that they have no effects. You know, it occurred occurred to me the other day that water is the thing of life. You can't live without it. So if you put anything in water, you can make any health claim for it. You know, it's just like a simple thing. Like it can be activated with mushroom powder or whatever, and it's still water. As long as there's water in there, you can say, like, eases anxiety, promotes hydration, <laughs> helps oh, you yeah. sleep, <laughs> right? keeps you alive. Not all the claims are false, but they don't partake of good, hard, you know, science. They're exaggerated. And so a lot of times, like this happens a lot with ingredients. Some brand will be promoting that they have some ingredient that'll boost your cognitive function or whatever it is. And there is a hint of truth to it. There is some good stuff about this ingredient, but it is not going to, you know, stop cognitive decline. And it is not going to do all these things that are really kind of touted as if you drink one, you know, mushroom infused coffee, and it's going to do all these amazing things. So it's really the problem of exaggerating, oftentimes very mixed study findings Mm -hmm. to get a sale. And that's a lot of problem. Of course, there's also a ton of pseudoscientific products. I mean, Goop has a bunch of them. But when I walk into a Whole Foods, I just see a bunch of stuff that is just taken a little too far. Yeah, I guess that's what I was trying to get at with water. I mean, you could say water boosts cognitive function and pretty much get away with it. Oh, Evian does that. Evian has a new line called Feed Your Mind of, I believe, sparkling water that says it will boost cognitive function. And, you know, oftentimes, I don't know their exact marketing and promotion for Evian, but oftentimes these brands will use terms like boost, right? Mm. They'll they'll never say they're going to cure or fix something. And there's a reason they do that. And it's not because they don't have a thesaurus. (laughs) It's because they'll be sued. So they use these terms that you can't really measure. What does that mean to boost something. You know what I'm saying? So they get around it. But if you actually look at the wording, you're like, I don't know what they're saying and what they're actually promising me. You know, aids in a lot of words like that. Oh yeah. Promotes. promotes. Yeah. Promotes. (laughs) I definitely fall in love with the language sometimes, which has admittedly gotten completely out of control. My Thomas's English muffins now say, wake up to what's possible on them. (laughs) It's just like, that's a big demand for old Thomases. Um, so let's talk about Goop because they are the avatar of wellness gone too far. I know you've interviewed Gwyneth Paltrow. I know that I've had mixed feelings about Goop, but somehow I get a like a peaceful feeling when it shows up in my inbox and I've liked some of the things I've heard on it. I don't know what to say. They defend their practices at Goop and yet are also the butt of many jokes about the jade vagina egg and and some of their false claims. So what do you think about Goop? Well, first, they're in the media a lot because of its association with Gwyneth, but they're really not a huge part of the wellness industry. It's a very, very small group of consumers who are attracted to Goop. 
right? When you think about the $4.4 trillion wellness industry, they're a small portion of it. But in going to several of their conferences and interviewing a lot of Goop fans, what I realize is that they're not fully taken seriously by their fans. Hmm. There is a tongue-in-cheekness to it where it's kind of like the medicine show's you know, a few centuries back where you go see the snake oil salesman and like the people kind of knew it was a little ridiculous, but it was their version of dinner in a movie. So when I go to those conferences and I point out, you know, I don't know, they have something I think like emotional vampire repellent spray. I'm like, this is crazy. They're like, oh, I know, but that's just Gwyneth being Gwyneth. Isn't it fun? Like it's a little bit of entertainment to them. Uh But at the same time, I don't want to discount that they do have trends. They do publicize certain practices that could be harmful. So, you know, when they talk about adrenal fatigue, which is not recognized by the medical association as being something real, this is where they start to impact the greater market and start impacting women in ways Hmm. that isn't beneficial. Hmm. But Goop, I mean, here's the thing that I, I feel. So I have been obviously a big critic of Goop, but I still like you get their emails and I find them sometimes totally delightful and entertaining. And they have a lot of charm and they have a brilliant business idea, which is that they don't necessarily need to vouch for the scientific efficacy of anything. They just throw a whole bunch of ideas out there and leave it up to you, the consumer, to figure it out. By that logic, they can ever grow. They can just throw more and more spaghetti at the wall. It's actually yes. like a brilliant business model. So she is brilliant and she is charming, but unfortunately she's just not rooted in science. Yes. And also in order to keep the creed alive, but also keep the irony in place that you describe, she just doesn't really seem to respond to the more aggressive charges. She doesn't need to. The more the media writes about her, the more her fans defend her, the more she's in the news. I mean, it it doesn't affect her and it never will. It doesn't seem to at the very least. And again, the people who are her fans, you know, I I don't want to say not all of them take her seriously, but there is a little bit of it's playful. So they don't really care if, you know, some big outlet takes her down. Yeah. They're not looking to those outlets to begin with for their medical advice. So... I want to ask you about anti-vaxxers. But first, when it comes to real wellness, what what do you like? Me personally? Yeah. Well, here's one thing that that's in the book that I tried for many years and then I kind of distanced myself from it. And now I love once again, but that's a workout called The Class. And it's basically a hard-hitting cardio with spurts of loudness. So people are told that they should get loud. They can scream, they can yell, they can yodel, whatever it is. It's almost like primal scream therapy combined with workouts. And it sounds nuts, but I have to tell you, I love it so much. I get such a kick out of it. And there is something about getting loud that actually feels good. And I've gone there several times after there's been sort of disturbing episodes in the news. Um, I think in the book, I described going there after the Kavanaugh hearings mm-hmm. and, and women were just going nuts. And you know what? It felt really good to be in the presence of other women who were just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and I got it. And I was like, yes, it was a palpable anger that I needed. I did not want to go to a yoga class and being told to soothe and calm myself down and get rid of my anxious or angry thoughts. I wanted to hear someone say, go ape shit. Yes, I can imagine that. That makes perfect sense. So did you encounter any of the conspirituality or Yoganon folks on the road, those people turning anti-vax and and even possibly leaning rightward politically? 
Yes, many. And what I saw, I mean, there's so it's multifactorial. There are many reasons why certain people don't want to take a vaccine. But what I saw that was a real thread within the wellness industry was this idea of liberty and empowerment. I mean, a lot of people turn to wellness because they're dissatisfied with medicine. And so it's almost like a political act of taking you know, ownership over their bodies. And this idea of no one tells me what to do and I take ownership and I do my own research. Well, you know, it can start small. You know, I had a lot of women who, for example, were turned on to these ideas by something like clean beauty. Mm. They were made terrified of chemicals. And once you start with chemophobia, which is an irrational fear of chemicals, it migrates. If you tell women, you know, you have to have chemical-free beauty products, which is a crazy statement because everything is made of chemicals, including Mm -hmm. water, but (laughs) that fear migrates. They say, oh, I I can't have certain synthetic chemicals or I can't have certain ingredients in my beauty products. Uh, Well, then maybe it shouldn't be my medicine. Maybe it shouldn't be in my vaccine. You know, Hmm. there are people who talk about Hmm. like, oh, there's formaldehyde in a vaccine. Well, there's also formaldehyde in a pear, but our our body flushes it out, but they're, they're not given the full story of what's going on and they don't have the scientific skills to understand what they're reading, but they're promoted this ad nauseum sometimes by influencers. Yeah. I mean, that is, that I think is, is exactly right. There's formaldehyde in a pear, man. I've got to really think about that. <laughs> that is a and great it's not insight. dangerous. It's, you know, your body is meant to flush it out, but you know, you see that on a poster, you see that on like an Instagram post of like, oh my God, there's all these crazy things in a vaccine and they get terrified. And it's because they learned lessons from other sectors. Yeah. I think there's a sense that if I'm healthy enough, if I eat the right things, I can't get COVID. Other people who don't do CrossFit can, but not me. I mean, there's sort of a personal exceptionalism that COVID and the vaccine kind of gave the lie to. Right. But that's also part of the marketing when you say things are immune boosting. I mean, I think there are a lot more critical shoppers who take that and they're like, sure. But there are people who actually buy into that. So yeah. And when the theme within certain parts of this industry is that you can take ownership and take control over everything. I mean, so much of this industry is based upon control. It's people Mm -hmm. trying to regain control, regain control of their mental health, regain control of sleep, regain control of whatever it is that ails them. And sometimes they can think that that applies to everything. And it just doesn't. This is really interesting, Rena, and thanks for being balanced about it because I do feel like people either roll their eyes at it or they, you know, really live in it. And I like that you have a nuanced take, so thanks. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. This has been a blast. That's it for this week's episode of This is Critical. Make sure you don't miss next week's episode by following us or subscribing on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you like to listen. And if you like what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people learn about us. For more information and to keep tabs on the show, follow me on Twitter at page 88 and at this critical pod. If you've got a question or a cultural creed you think deserves another look, send us an email at thisiscriticalpod at gmail.com. This is Critical is made by me, Virginia Heffernan, and Stitcher. Ayla Fetter and Michelle O'Brien are the producers. Tracy Samuelson is our editor. Brendan Burns mixed this episode and composed our original theme. And Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. Thanks for listening and stay critical.
Stitcher. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com.